0: Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Let us pray. Dear Jesus, it is good to be back with your people. I pray that the words I speak would be yours. Would be you moving us out of our comfort zone, out of the ruts we find ourselves in, that the words I speak would be your words beckoning us ever closer to where you are, whatever that looks like. I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So today's sermon is a little different. Today we're not into a series that starts next week when we start our drop the sword and and how to read the bible without hurting people today is the first sunday of the new year and so i like to take it and give the state of the church how is nixon united methodist church think about how the president does the state of the union it's good enough for the president it's good enough for nixon Church. But as a result, you know I always stand up here and I preach without notes and I do that on purpose because if I can't learn it enough to teach it to you, it's obviously not that important. However, we got a lot to talk about this year. We have far more than I can put up here. So I'm gonna use my notes a little bit today and I hope you'll forgive me for that. Somebody just say we will. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, thank you. You got good hearing. (laughs) I just briefly, I wasn't sure if I heard what I thought I heard. But we at Nixon United Methodist Church, we have a mission statement. We have a statement that defines what we do. We know we're called by God to be a church, but what and how are we called to be that church? And so we set up our mission statement that says we are a community house of worship giving reverence to God centered in Jesus Christ. That through our teaching, our caring, our serving, our prayer, and our fellowship, this congregation ministers to the community and the world in the power of the Holy Spirit. What we say when we say that's our mission statement is that is the thing that drives us. Every decision we make, every dollar we spend, every worship service, every event is driven through that mission statement. And if it doesn't fit, We shouldn't be doing it. If it doesn't fit and we're doing it, we haven't lived into our mission. So the question for the state of the church today is, how are we doing? How have we lived into our mission this year? Where have we succeeded and where have we failed and how have we looked? That first part I want to talk about is our mission is teaching. We say we're going to minister to the community and the world through our teaching. What do we teach? Well, the first piece of that is our new Moore service, our 7 p.m. worship service that we started back in September. In Penn Township, there's a large population of people who travel for the weekend. They have to go to work on Monday, so they're back here Sunday afternoon, which means they don't have a church to go to because everybody meets in the morning. So us being able to minister to the community means we need to have a time where people can gather where we actually have worship. So we started a 7 p.m. service. We also started broadcasting online our worship services. Of course, this morning they have decided not to work because, you know, it's technology. But our 11 a.m. service averages 25 people watching us online. Our 7 p.m. averages 46 people watching us online. And that's watching us live while it happens. That doesn't include the people today who are watching the sermon from three weeks ago. Or eight weeks ago when we started this. You can still go back and see them. And there are some of those videos that have hundreds of views. One of them is close to 500 people have watched it from all over the country. I don't know if you're familiar, how familiar you are with Facebook and how it works, but it tracks everything you do. You are the product being sold to advertisers. This means they harvest all of your information. Us as a church on Facebook we can have access to all of that information if we pay for it of course and they give you free information to try and convince you to pay for the rest of it we don't pay for it that's worthless but I can tell you from the free information we have people who tune in every week from Oregon and Alaska Florida and Texas now some of these we can figure out there's some of our church family that go away for the winter we like to call them snowbirds some of them are them Some of them are actually my family who tune in and watch, which is kind of neat. But others, I have no idea who they are. No idea. In fact, at one point, shortly after we started this, I got a phone call from Butler Hospital. Can you go visit so-and-so? They're in the hospital, they need their pastor. I don't know who this person is. I walk in and they say, you don't know me, but I attend your church every single week. Well, then how do I not know you? Said, I watch it online. You are my church. I attend Nixon United Methodist Church every week. We are ministering to our community and to the whole world through our teaching times. We've also launched our new youth group that teaches our youth and the youth of the community about the faith. Right now, tonight, they'll actually finish up a series on anxiety and being anxious as teenagers. This is ministering not just to the community today, but to the community in 20 years from now. That when some of our youth, when she grows up and becomes president, and it's a little anxious for her to be president, she can think back and go, Karen taught me a biblical view of anxiety at Nixon United Methodist Church. When they, huh? And Ray. And Ray. Ray's not here, so I can't call him out. I'm gonna talk about Ray in a little bit though, don't you worry. He's on my list for today. Our teaching times included a study earlier this year on the United Methodist Church's social principles, which is what we believe as a church with things like immigration, global warming. All of these big, huge topics, what do we think about them as a church? Well, all of those big topics are up for debate in 2020 to become official United Methodist doctrine. We have it now, they're gonna update it in 2020. First time since 1968. They asked for people's opinions. We gathered a group here to go line by line and say what do we think that should be? So not only did we learn about it as people in the church, we also got to speak into the official United Methodist policies worldwide. Now, I don't know if our suggestions will be taken seriously. We probably aren't the only ones to come up with that idea of whatever gets put in there, and we don't know what the final view will be. But we got to speak into what the United Methodist Church in the Philippines will believe about global warming. We got to speak into what the United Methodist Church in Germany will think about immigration. This is huge. Little... Nixon United Methodist Church in Penn Township, across from the airport, is leading the way in the global United Methodist Church. This is huge. Our teaching times are doing this. But our caring has also been ministering to the community and the world. The way we care for other people, we have the Hats and Gloves drive, we've done a drive for Christmas toys. We've done special collections. Last week was our first special collection for the fifth Sunday where the money now goes to help kids go to camp and it was $66 and some change. Half of that will stay here so that when children and youth from this church say, you know, I really want to go to Jamonville or Wesley Woods or Camp Allegheny, we can say, you know what, we believe that you should go. Here's some money to help you fund that because it can get a little expensive. But the other half of that money goes to our conference, to the bishop's camping initiative, so that when any youth, any child, anywhere in the bounds of western Pennsylvania says, I want to go to summer camp, the bishop can go, you know what? Nixon United Methodist Church believes you should get to go to summer camp, so we're going to help you out with that. Every penny that you put in there last week, every penny the next time goes to make sure that not just here in our community, but also within the bounds of our annual conference are able to experience summer camp. The number one way in which people experience Jesus for the first time, where they say, I want to be a Christian, we'll use terms like finding my salvation or a conversion experience. The number one way is in a church pew, right here. The number two way, summer camp. When people feel the call from God to go be a pastor, the number one place that happens, summer camp. Your spare change that let's be honest, you probably don't even remember putting in now. And it was, you know, whatever's in your pocket and you don't even miss it at this point is ministering to the youth this summer and 20 summers from now. One of those kids who goes to summer camp could quite possibly end up being appointed to Nixon United Methodist Church after I retire in 30 some odd years. (laughs) But they could because they got their call at summer camp because you helped provide them the ability to go. That's huge. That's to be celebrated. We, now my phone, there we go. Come on, there you go. We've had special collections for pastors who used to be here who now need a little bit of extra help, who now are struggling physically, which leads to the financial troubles and and needing help around their house, and so people from this church stepped up to serve them. It's beautiful. It's huge. Many of you know families in our area who have suddenly found themselves in need, and this church just steps up just do it it makes my heart sing as your pastor less than 24 hours I find someone is in need and I go okay we need to get meals going we need to get this happening like oh no it's cool it's already taken care of really okay it's beautiful you know what pastor it's based on leadership isn't it it's based on the leadership of the church and look what happened whenever you know seriously when you showed up I mean, you know, the, 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 I'm i sorry. No, I'm it's sorry. okay. I just uh, I just had to say something. I'm sorry. But, I mean, the, the more I'm listening to you, is it's true, though. It's like since you came here, I mean, the leadership, it just all depends on leadership. Am I right or, you know? Can, can I be honest for a minute? But, I mean, so, <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you. No, it's okay. You're, you're, you're on a roll. I
1: know you are. You're, 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 you're it just
0: means I'm going to go longer, so. <laughs> that's, <keep> okay. <laughs> and that's okay. I'm, I'm, so, I'm sorry. I just said, I'm sorry. No, if I can be honest for, for a moment, most days I feel largely inadequate and I go home at the end of the day going, I didn't do anything today because it really has very little to do with me and I refuse to take the credit for what Jesus is doing in this church. Y'all can blame me but I'm going to put that blame straight up to Jesus. Ah. But at the same time, at the same time, and maybe this will get us back on track, maybe it won't. And I'm not ignoring all of you. It, I'm just going to talk to her for a minute, if that's okay. <laughs> this, this love and care and, and all of it was already here in the church. Every piece of it, everything we're going to talk about was already here before I got here. I didn't do much. Jesus just happens to be using it. It was already here. Now what we're seeing is it all coming out. And we're seeing it being expressed in all of that. When I watch this church serve, from taking down Christmas decorations to, to fixing whatever was rattling in the furnace a couple weeks ago when we first turned it on, I don't know what that was, but it was rattling. <laughs> it makes my heart sing as a pastor, but I also know that those things were already here. Now they are just coming out. You know, we, we talk about the serving. And, you know, we have teams going to the mission barn every, week, every month. We, we take between four, six, eight. they go to the mission barn. They, they leave here at 7 o'clock in the morning, and they go work all day. And they put together health kits and flood buckets and making sure ramps and tools and all of this are there so that when a tragedy strikes, the teams are ready to roll. And these things that we help put together are rolling all over the world, including into Butler. In 2017, when when lots of Butler flooded, the Methodists showed up. They showed up with the flood buckets that our church helped put together to make sure they were there when people need ramps they call the ramp ministry here which is stored at our mission barn our mission teams are the ones who make sure that's all organized so that the team installing the ramp shows up loads it drives and unloads it and they're done in the morning and people who couldn't get out of their house get out of their house now that's this church i have yet to go to the mission barn it's seven o'clock in the morning it's early They don't leave till 8. Why do I have to be here for 7.10? 8 is still far too early, but that's beside the point. We'll buy you an alarm. I had to set six of them to get up this morning. <laughs> but you know what? That stuff was already here. It was already in each of you. You know, we have our work days where volunteers here show up to make sure the church is clean, That it has the things necessary for people to enjoy church. Because, look, let's be honest. When you are in a time of need, do you want there to be toilet paper or do you want a good sermon? No matter how good the sermon is. Both. Both. You know, we we had vacation Bible school this summer. This is the first time we've had a full week vacation Bible school in a couple of years. I had no idea how it was going to go. We're trying to bring something back. But a team of you showed up to make it happen. I literally just showed up. I, I, didn't, I just showed up. This was all of you. Five minutes before it's supposed to start, I walk outside to the registration table to make sure we're on track. And the line of kids is around our building. We were 40 minutes late starting our first day. If we're going to be late, that's a good reason to be late. That's why we do this. But that was you all. Our day camp was a brand new first for us. We'd never had a day camp here, but it wasn't just first for us. It was a first for the entire Western Pennsylvania conference. Because our conference started a new program to bring day camp experiences to kids who aren't near a camp. We spent $650 to make this happen. Now, we recouped that money through the kids each paying their tuition of $10 a child. The conference... Spent $2,400 to make sure we could have this camp. They did that to experiment. Now, they didn't recoup that money, they invested it into the kingdom. But it was a success for us. Our kids were here for eight hours a day, five days that week, learning about Jesus. It's huge. That's ministering in this community. And it's expanding it out to the whole world. Those kids are going to grow up. And they might know Jesus. They might follow Jesus their whole lives. Or they might one day come to a place where they don't know what else to do. The world is crashing in on them. And the only thought that floods back was the day they sat around a campfire out here and sang, Jesus loves me. And they go, you know what, maybe we can get through this because we and you and the volunteers here stepped up. But there's so much more in there I can talk about from the events the United Methodist men have done and the way the the United Methodist women have have cared for us and our trunker treats and our, our popcorn for the fireworks. And I could go on and on and on about all of that. But you know, you were here. We've served through prayers. We had our blessings of the backpacks at the beginning of the school year. And the kids came up and the teachers came up and we prayed for them. But we messed up a little bit there. We forgot a couple things. And we're gonna fix that for 2019 when we do this again. We we, we forgot to include the school janitors. And we forgot to include the bus drivers and the cafeteria workers. Because you know what? Parents, as awesome as you are, the cafeteria worker oftentimes will know more about your student, their the kids, than you as a parent does. So we need to keep them in prayer because they need to be able to minister to those kids when we don't have them. We did our prayer for the preschool students. The same day as the backpacks and the, the prayers, we put out a list of all of the kids and we invited you to take one of them and pray for them throughout the year. Some of you took two or three, a couple of you took four. We're not judging. <laughs> but you get to be praying for them. You get to be praying for them. And when we have preschool Sunday here in May, we're gonna talk more about that and what that means, and we're gonna celebrate the fact that those kids have been prayed for all year. And actually, this past week, we had two more kids enroll in the preschool, so we gotta get them out to being prayed for for this year too. Because I've said this to our preschool teachers, and I'm gonna say it here, our preschool is one of our top two ministries into this community. We have here dozens of families who do not attend this church, who literally walk through our doors every single day. What? This is where the ministry is happening. Those teachers are phenomenal. Those kids are amazing. Some of them do go to church, but some of them don't go anywhere to church. The harvest, when Jesus talks about the harvest is ready, it's literally across our parking lot. It's right there. And I'm not pointing at Chase, I'm (laughs) pointing at the Ed Building. We offer our fellowship. Our our fellowship. Now fellowship is a big church word that means getting together and goofing off with no agenda. (laughs) It's where the church family gathers without sermons, without preaching, without expectations, but just to have a little fun. Because there's this myth among the United States that churches are full of stuffy, grumpy people who don't know how to have fun. I refuse to allow us to be one of those kinds of churches. We know the end of the story and we know what eternity brings us. How could we not celebrate? So we gotta have us some potlucks. <laughs> Food is a key sacrament for Methodism. We also brought our, our Christmas dinner this year where we got together to make fun of Chase and try and get him to sing Freebird. <laughs> but to laugh and carry on and have picture time and just go crazy. Our men's group gathers every month. Our women's group gathers regularly, all getting together to know each other. Our ugly sweater service. We had a very talented young violinist sit up here and perform a solo. She attends the 8.30 service. Some of you asked me, who is she? I've never seen her before. Which is okay, because you don't go to the 8.30 service. That's normal. That's where our fellowship time fixes that. That you get to see and meet the people who attend now one of three other services that you may not be in. It's impossible on Sunday morning to see everyone, so we have to provide those other times. Sunday school today had a pajama party. I was a little jealous. I saw Connor over there in his, his, is it Superman, Spiderman? Emoji. It has a cape, though, doesn't it? Oh, it's a hood. I thought it was a cape. looked like a cape. Hey! (laughs) You know, this is fellowship. That's what that is. To have a little fun once in a while. But the question is, if this is how we've done in living into our mission statement, have there actually been any results? We worked hard this year. As a church, y'all worked hard. What have our results even been? Well, the big one is we've had nine new members join this year. Nine new members in this year, which may not sound like a lot, but it is the largest membership class since 2004. In 14 years, we haven't had a membership class this large. That is to be celebrated. We paid our apportionments at over 100%. Now, what are apportionments? Because that's another big churchy word. As United Methodists, we are asked to support the ministry of the worldwide nature of the United Methodist Church. And we do that through what's called our apportionments. And it's literally a portion of our budget that we set aside to support those ministries. For example... For example, we have a ministry in Erie that collects used shoes that you don't wear anymore. And the ones that can be cleaned up and salvaged are put into a shipping container and sent to Guatemala, Brazil, Honduras, Venezuela, several of those countries and given to people who don't have shoes. Do you know who pays for the shipping container to get them there? Your apportionments. We have a a ministry here in western Pennsylvania that collects used wheelchairs and broken wheelchairs, motorized, regular ones, whether they're worn out or usable or not, and they fix them up. And then they ship them to the Ukraine, where missionaries in Ukraine take those wheelchairs and they fit them to people who are in need of a wheelchair but don't have access to one. Imagine your life if you needed a wheelchair and couldn't get one. Imagine what that life would be like and now all of a sudden you have one and then, while those missionaries are fitting them for wheelchairs, they say, let me tell you about a Jesus who loves you enough to die for you. The wheelchair parts, the brakes, the tires, shipping them to the Ukraine, do you know how all that gets paid for? Your apportionments. Every time you drop a dollar in that offering plate, a portion of that is sent to those (coughs) ministries, to supporting missionaries in Russia, missionaries in countries where if they were found out, they would be killed. All are supported through your apportionments. Last year, we paid 25% of what we were asked. The year before we were about 75%. This year, we are over 100% of that money. That's huge. That's to celebrate. Our average attendance, for this service specifically, is 64 people. That's up from last year when our average was 58. If you take all of our services together and our online services and all of this, and put it all together, our average attendance is 111 every week, which is up 19% from the year before. Now, when you start categorizing churches There's really four levels. There's the dying church, which has a negative average attendance, meaning that people are leaving for whatever reason, and they're not being replaced. Then you have a stagnant church, which is between 0 and 10%. So people are leaving, but they're really only being replaced. They're not adding new people. Then you have a growing church, which is 10% to 20%. Then you have the fastest-growing churches. To be considered a fast-growing church is 20% and above. The largest United Methodist Church in the world is Church of the Resurrection in Kansas City. It tops out at 25% growth rate. We came in at 19. 19%. Now, I say all of that, and I throw all these numbers at you, but I hate thinking about it in terms of numbers. I hate taking the people sitting in the pews and turning them into numbers. What matters is that there are people here today who were not here a year ago, who did not attend a year ago. Every week, we pray that God would use us to share of his great grace those new people who are here that weren't here a year ago are the literal representation that God has answered that prayer. Every one of those numbers in our weekly attendance are an answer to the prayer that we pray every week. They are those who are hearing of the goodness of God and saying, I want to find out more. I want to grow closer to that God. Now it hasn't been all fun and games and roses there have been a couple places where we fell a little short the big one there's two major ones that I want to talk about the first one is we haven't had any baptisms this year we haven't had any baptisms since I got here (laughs) now a baptism whether it's an infant or an adult a baptism is a sign of God being active in that person's life no matter what but it's also a sign within our church that the people who are here are taking seriously the call of discipleship and making those next steps. And our baptism font has sat collecting dust for over a year. It's not okay, church. It's not okay. We gotta we got fix that for 2019. The other big one we have to deal with is that we are an awfully white church. We are very much the same. The kingdom of heaven in Revelation 21 is filled with people of different ethnicities and different cultures and different backgrounds and different languages and very, very diverse. We aren't. For whatever reason, we aren't. Now, by no means do I think we are hostile to people of other cultures, or, or races coming into our church. I, I don't think that at all. I think we've just missed out, and there are voices in our community with experiences of God that we have yet to hear from. And if we take seriously our call to minister to the world, to the community and the world, then we have to be able to include those voices in the life of our congregation. And we haven't. We've got to fix that. We gotta fix that. The third issue that I think we fell short on that I can't figure out why or what to do with is our SPRC, our Staff Parish Relations Committee. Some people call it the Human Resources Department of the church, others call it the Complaint Department, especially when we're complaining about Chase. (laughs) We, I don't know why, but when it came time to decide and pray and elect new leaders for this church, Every time I ask somebody, they said yes to every committee except the SPRC. You know what, you would be great on trustees. Oh, pastor, that's wonderful, I'd love to. You know, you'd be great on outreach. Oh, pastor, that's wonderful, I'd love that. You know, you'd be great on SPRC. Oh, look at the time, I gotta go wash my hair, I'm sorry, I can't. I I don't know why that happened. Now, a few years ago, the church had a little bit of drama in its life, as we know, to put it mildly, and the SPRC is the committee tasked with handling said drama. Well, those who handled that drama and did so with professionalism and, and excellency, their term is up. So the only thing I can come to is everybody's afraid to have to deal with that drama again. And so they're like, you know what, I, I just don't want to deal with this. I don't want to be on SPRC. That's okay. I still need people to join SPRC. <laughs> we don't have a chair yet. We need the chair because when it comes time to fire Chase, <laughs> somebody's gonna have to make that phone call. That's just me. Actually, I think what I I think what I just did is I just sabotaged. Nobody wants to be on SPRC because they all like you. <laughs> if I had said fire me, they'd be like, I'll sign up right now. Oh, no, So I say all of that, and we move to 2019. We've got two major things and some plans for it. The first one is we passed a budget that you'll see in your bulletin. You'll see this. This is our 2019 budget. This is the biggest budget this church has ever seen at $199,803. It is a significant increase. However, there's no pork in this budget. There's no extra. Your finance team put blood, sweat, and tears into making sure this budget was faithful stewards of the resources that God has entrusted us with. We took steps out in faith to make sure we could live into our mission statement. In this budget, between salaries and programming, our youth program is $12,000 of this budget. We took steps out into making this our largest budget ever because we believe that the youth ministry matters. That if we're going to minister to the community and the world, we've got to have good youth ministry. That's in here. Our apportionments are in here. Our staff care for the church. You want to have the snow plowed if we ever get any? <laughs> Don't go wishing for it. It comes... I ski. I will wish for snow if I want to. <laughs> Only on the slopes. Only on the slopes. But if you want to make sure the furnace works, that the building looks nice and has the supplies. Now, I didn't list in here how much we spend on paper for bulletins. Most people don't care about that. If you really do want to know this, we have full copies of the budget in the office and we will give it to you, but this is kind of a good overview. But this can't happen unless we are all in this together. We have to be committed and believing that this is what God has called us to in our ministry. The other big thing we have for 2019 is the upcoming general conference on homosexuality. Less than eight weeks from now, the denomination will gather and form an official position as United Methodists on what we say about homosexuality. This will have large rippling effects throughout the denomination. We will probably have decisions we have to make as our local church. I don't know what those are yet. No one knows what they are yet until the vote happens at the end of February. But you know what those change about our ministry? Regardless of how you feel about homosexuality, regardless of how you feel about the vote that will happen, it does not change our mission. It does not change that God has called us and set us to minister to the community and the world in the power of the Holy Spirit. That still happens no matter what. Now we're gonna be spending 2019 dealing with discipleship and evangelism. Big church words to say to teach you and me and us what it is to follow Jesus and how to invite other people to follow Jesus. How do we invite those around us that we love and care about to follow Jesus. Through our teachings, through our servings, through our carings, it's going to be about increasing our ability to do that. That's why next week we start a series Drop the Sword and how to read the Bible without hurting people. We're going to be dealing with some big old topics. What is the role of a spouse? What are we talking about when we say homosexuality? What is the role of women in the church? Verses that have been used for decades and centuries to hurt people but what do they really mean what's if we stop taking them out of context and using them to oppress people what's really going on in the time of slavery they would take all the verses in the bible about freedom and pull those out of there and then hand the newly edited bible to the slaves and use religion as a way to oppress them and keep them in slavery I don't know about you, but that's not how this works. So what are we going to say when we put all of everything in there at the same time? This is designed to sound controversial because I want you to invite people to them. Your friend who comes to you and says, my husband keeps telling me I have to have dinner ready at exactly five o'clock and that's what's in the Bible. You go, oh honey, you know what? Let me bring you to church on Sunday. We're going to talk about that. That's not how it works. We want to make this as easy as possible because there are friends and family we know who are going to spend eternity separated from God if we don't do something. So we have to. We're going to. Because at the end of the day, What matters more than anything else is how we have followed Jesus. Regardless of numbers, regardless of budget, regardless of events, regardless of anything else, it's have we followed where Jesus has called us to go. And if that's the case, then the state of Nixon United Methodist Church will always be good. Let us pray. Dear Jesus, I could talk for hours and celebrate this church. There are things I have left out that I desperately wanted to tell your people. And yet what matters most is your word. We pray as we gather to this table for communion, that we would gather in your name, that you would join us here, that this simple bread and this simple cup would be transformed into your body and your blood that we would then be transformed into your hands and feet. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.